Well, hey, everybody, good morning and welcome to Northeast. I am just so excited that you are here today. I'm so excited to be with church family. If you're watching online, I'm so excited to get to be with you because I am continually amazed at how, like, technology keeps us together, right? So if you're new here today, like, what a great time to come to church in the middle of this chaos. What a great time to come be a part of this family. If you're new online, like, we want to know that. I love to know where you're worshiping from. So just leave us a little comment. Uh, My name is Micah Pace. I am a worship leader here, but today I get to put down the guitar Okay, and bring a good word that I feel the Lord has put on my heart. Um, And I couldn't be more excited about it, honestly. And but I want to start with three promises. Right off the bat, three promises. Okay, here we go. The first one is I am going to cry. Okay, so we just need to get over that threshold right now because I am a crier. You can ask my wife, you can ask my kids. Or you can ask, cultivate the younger group. I just cry a lot. And I think that that is okay. I got them happy tears. I got them sad tears. And I got them mid-afternoon driving. I don't know why I'm crying tears. It just happens. Okay, so that's going to happen today. Number two, I promise that I'm going to get excited because that's just who I am. And I'm really excited. And I love to talk about what God is doing and what he's done. Okay, so all I ask is that today you get excited with me, right? So you hear a good point that you like. You hear scripture that you like. Let me know. If you're online, like throw up some praise hands. We want to know that you're tuning in too, okay? Get excited with me because we're here to receive what the Lord is doing, not just like sit and be spoon-fed. We want to know. Let's move on this stuff together, okay? And number three, number three, I promise that God is going to move today. All right, I promise that when his people show up with ears to listen and an open heart. And when we listen and when we obey, God moves because that's just who he is. He loves to move. He's a life changer. Okay, he's a way maker. We just sang about it. You can't sing about it and not respond to it. Okay, and especially coming out of this text, I am so excited to talk about Luke 15. Many of you guys probably already know the text, especially if you grew up in church and you're like, oh, that's a you know, prodigal son. You know, even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard of the parable of the prodigal son. And so today we're going to run through that, but I'm going to come at it from a different side. I want to talk about it in the Father's heart. Okay, I want to dive deep into the Father's heart. But but before we go any further, will you guys just just pray with me this morning? We pray a lot around here, okay? But will you pray with me this morning? Father God, thank you. Thank you for how you move. Thank you for... Lord, your grace and your love that you just pour out abundantly on us. Thank you that you use the least of these, Father, to shine your light to such a dark world and such a dark time is this, God. We know that you're on the move. So would we open up our hearts, God? Would we open up our eyes to what you're doing? And would we be ready to say yes to the move of God? Would our hearts be in a position to receive your word today, not just listen, but to do? Father, I ask a blessing over these words that they would reach hearts and they would change lives because you are that kind of God. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all, for real, let's go. We are in Luke chapter 15. We're kicking off verse 11. Open up your Bibles. Open up your Bible apps. You can follow along in the NCC app. To be honest, I really don't care how you follow along. I just want you to follow along. I want you to read the scripture with me and not just me like speaking it to you. I want you to follow along. I want you to get in the word today. Can we do that? Okay, let's get going here. 15, 11. Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons. Verse 12, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property 
between them. Okay, let's stop right there for just a second. Go ahead and you can leave this slide up. I'm going to hit it. I just want to take a second, church, and just catch this, this language from the son to the father. Okay, check it out. Like, you know, hey, yo, dad. Hey, listen, I, um, listen, I've been working a long time for you. And I know that when you die, I get a pretty good inheritance. Okay, but you see, here's the problem. Um, I would like that now. Uh, because I'm grown, like, Dad, I know what's best for me. Church, today, can you feel the sass from the sun? I know what's best for me, Dad. And I already know. Some of y'all are like, I got teenagers at home, and this is pretty much a daily conversation for us, okay? And you're like, man, I didn't know I was going to grow up to be 40 and be a complete idiot, but my teenager knows everything that you could possibly imagine. Look, I understand. I don't have teenagers, but I have three cute little cuddly little humans. I mean, check out this family. Look at this. Look at this picture right here. Look at that. Look at that. Okay, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what they do. Full of sass, all of them. All of them full of sass. Okay, and nobody warned me either that these cute, cuddly little things could throw so much sass up in your face all at the same time. Bear over here, he's about to be three in August. Okay, so he's got the most words. So he can throw the most, not the most sass, but he can throw some pretty good sass. You know, he's got the, no, dad. I'm like, boy. Okay, Boone in the middle, he's three months old. All he does is cuddle and sleep. He's, he's great right now. Okay, but this one over here, this one right here, that face, oh, yeah, Bo, Riley. No, 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 no. She's got the most sass, okay? And she's got just a couple of words. And I didn't know that someone could sass you so hard with just a grunt. You know, she'd be like, hey, but, mm, what did she say to me? Like, so church, I just, I need to be real. Y'all need to pray, okay? Because Bo Riley's going to put mommy and dad in early grave. Okay, but, but for real, anyway, anyway, this young man is saying, hey, dad, um, I want it now. I know what's best for me, and it's not here. It's not working on this farm another day. In fact, I wish you were dead so that I could just take my money now and get out of here. So can we just end this? We don't have to converse, have this conversation. Can I just bounce? And it's so sad, but let's keep going. Verse 13. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country, and there he squandered away his wealth and wild living. Now, it wasn't until recently that I noticed that line <clears throat> set off for a distant country. All right, before when I would read it, you know, I kind of just thought like, okay, he wants to go party. So like, he's just going to move downtown to where the party scene is. He's going to get himself a little apartment. And he's just going to blow his money there. That's what he's going to do, but that's not what the text is saying. It's so much more than that. You've got to really get into it. This is saying that the country boy from the farm, the horse farm in Kentucky, okay, probably got no shoes. All right, it's saying, hey, Dad, I want my money, and I'm up and leaving. I'm getting as far away from this life as I possibly can. So he's going from Kentucky to, like, Japan. That's what we're talking about, a completely different culture, a completely different country, a completely different world even. Dad, I am out of here. Okay, but, and now that's super important to know, especially a little later on in the story. Let's keep going. Verse 14. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that country, and he began to be in need. So this boy, like, rolls in with fists full of money. And in verse 13, it says he got together all that he had. So he's grabbing, he's got all the money, okay? He's grabbing his personal belongings. He's probably taking a house servant or two, maybe a couple of horses. He's piling it all on a cart and saying, see ya. And this wasn't like, I'm just going to go relax, vacation. Dad, I'll be back. I'm going to come back fully rested and ready to work even harder. This is, this is not what that is. This is a young man saying like, I know what's best for me. I want it. I, I deserve it. And uh, I'm, I'm going to go have fun, okay? 
But see, here's the problem. We know that this severe famine didn't just like, like happen, right? It's just like, I've never been in a crisis except for COVID, and it didn't just happen. We watched it grow over time. Okay, but the problem is that this son's appetite for these selfish desires and for this, this sin appetite was blinding him to everything happening around him. So you got his money is slowly slipping away. Okay, he's not noticing. He's probably selling off like a house servant here, maybe a couple horses here. But sin blinds us so much that we have no idea what is going on. And so one day he wakes up and he's like, man, I don't have as many friends as I did before. And like, what happened to my cart? Man, I brought a lot of stuff here. What, what happened to it? And so his desires control his every single move until he's eventually left with just the clothes on his back in a foreign country in the middle of a crisis. And church, we can't help but speculate that at this moment, the boy is beside himself and only one question comes to mind. How did I get here? How did I get here? The son of a highly honored man like my father, how did I end up penniless in a foreign country in the middle of the fan? I can't even find nothing to eat. And if we want to get real again today, church, we're all about real. Okay, we're going to get real. Many people today in this room and many people watching online would raise their hand and say, hey, yeah, Micah, that's, that's me. I've asked that question more times than, than you can even count. How did I get here? How did I end up in this financial crisis? How did I end up in this addiction? I never meant for this to happen. And do you think the son meant for this to happen when he left home? Man, I can't wait to blow my money and like end up in a, a pig pen. Like, I don't think that this was his idea. But the problem is that sin and temptation do an incredible job of clouding our judgment and honestly blinding us of the path ahead. But there's just enough light for one more step, one more high, one more party, one more drink, one more lustful relationship. And the whole time, unbeknownst to us, we are leaving the light and headed to a dark and lonely place where guilt and shame eagerly await our arrival. And C.S. Lewis said it like this. Check this out. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, and without signposts. So now the money is gone, the nation's in a crisis, and he's going, oh man, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Let's keep reading verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Church, these pods weren't even edible by humans. He couldn't even eat the things that he was desiring. But that's the problem. Sin and his best friend, guilt and shame, will do that to you because you end up, after following these sinful desires, you end up in a place that you never thought you would be doing things you said you would never do. And now, I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, man, it's hot in here today. It is hot. It is heavy. And, and that's on purpose. It's real because we have to stop lying to ourselves. We have to recognize the place and the space that we are in. If we ever hope to get out of the pig pen and go home, we have to stop lying. We have to recognize this is where I am at. If we ever want to leave. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. 
I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. Okay, so crisis hits, right? And this kid is at the lowest he has ever been. But don't miss this church, okay? He's in the lowest point that he's ever been. And what is the response? I need help. I'm going home. What is his response? Because the son knows that he can go home and be loved by his father because no good father abandons their child in church. We can declare today that we have a great father. Okay, so what's he do? He says, I'm going home. I'm, I'm going to go home. Okay, but now here, that location thing that we talked about, right? That's where this really comes in. To play because he's not headed home from John's house down the street. He's not even headed home from Billy's house down the valley. This kid is headed home from Japan to Kentucky, from London to Kentucky. This is a very, very long trip. And did you know that he wasn't traveling alone? Did you, did you know that today? No, that, that's right. He actually had two friends he was traveling with. He had guilt and he had shame. And with every step on the way home, they are just bombarding him with lie after lie after lie. And, you know, I bet it, I bet it sounded something like this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> You're going to go home? What a joke. After everything that you've done, you blew all your father's money. After everything that you've done, you think you can just go home? He's not even going to look you in the eye anymore. You're better off in the pig pen. After all the wicked things that you've done, and oh, by the way, I know every wicked thing that you've ever done. You must be joking. And so what's the son to do? He's, he's saying, i got to figure something out. So he comes up with the best plea that he can possibly muster together. And he goes, Father, I'm so sorry. I know I can never come back as a son. I know I've messed up, but please just, just let me back as a servant. Let me just sleep in the field. Please just let me back as a servant. And so the boy begins his way home. So the son's on his way home, and we got the father, right? Now the father... The father is waking up every single morning, running to his window going, today's the day. Today's the day that my boy comes home. And the next day, today is the day. And the next week, and the next month, today is the day. You see, church, the father has hope in us even when we don't. And the father seeks us out even when everyone around him is going, it's a lost cause. He basically spat in your face and said he wished you were dead. Just let him go. But you've got to hear the father's words here because the father's going, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. You don't know my boy like I know my boy. You don't know my kid like I know my kid. And my kid belongs at home in my arms at my table and he's coming back. He's coming back. So the father eagerly awaits his son, check out Luke 15, verse 4. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it in church today? We have to understand sometimes I think we forget that this is the Father's heart. That it was never just meant to be church on Sunday. That, that this place is supposed to look like the kingdom, not just those we approve of. That everyone is welcome at the table. Everyone has a seat in the name of Jesus. So every day the Father wakes up in expectation that his son's coming home, just like our heavenly father eagerly looks on the horizon watching sons and daughters coming home. 
Now, let's keep reading verse 20. But while he was still off, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Stop it right there. Stop it right there. Was filled with compassion for him. Do you understand? He was watching and waiting and watching and waiting. And one day, there he is. That's my boy. He's here. I told you he was coming. I told you he was coming. Now, did you catch what it didn't say? It didn't say the father was at the window going, what a nice day. Oh, man, look, that kind of looks like, oh, what's his name? Hey, I, I told him he'd be back. Man, he looking rough. He, look, he like got a limp. Hey, he's in like his, his like night robes. He, he lost everything. Remember how much he stuff he left with? He didn't even got the cart anymore. He looking, he looking rough. Okay, well, I guess I, I guess I better go talk to him. This is going to be a little awkward. That's not the response. This is the father's heart. Now, sometimes I wonder, though, what the older brother's response would have been if he was standing at the window. And, and church, i got to be honest, I don't think the older brother's heart would have been filled with compassion. And it was the, other bro- the older brother, so I'd imagine that he was more so on the, I told you so side. I told you not to do that. You went and blew all dad's money. Man, you're, you're going to get it now. And I have to ask, church, today, are our hearts aligned with the Father's so that we are eagerly awaiting at the window, praying earnestly for our brothers and sisters to come home? Or do we want to be first in line to say, hey, I told you so. I told you so. But thank God that that is not the Father's heart. Let's keep reading. 20, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But before the son can even finish his plea that he's been working on this whole journey, check it out what Scripture says, verse 22. Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they begin to celebrate. Woo. I mean, what a dad. Now, let's, let's break this down real quick because the dad in this is a Jewish man, okay? And so I don't know if you know it or not, but Jewish men don't run. Okay, it's not their custom, not their culture. They are quick to listen, slow to speak, not in a hurry to get anywhere. This would have been very dishonorable for the father to run, especially to a son who spat in his face, okay? Can you imagine this imagery, Okay, but yeah, this is literally my favorite part of the whole story. You know why? Because just like our Heavenly Father, He ain't supposed to run, but, but He goes like this. He goes, hey, I don't care. That's my boy, and I'm getting to him as quick as I possibly can, and that's running. And did you notice there's not even a single rebuke when the Father gets there? Not a single one. He doesn't say, hey, son, come on. Come sit down. We need to talk about just how bad you were. Like, let's, come on. Pen and paper, please. Thank you. Thank you. Um, let's list everything out. One to ten, ten being the worst. Okay, that is not what's happening. The father is overwhelmed and overjoyed to see his son. And every single gift that the father gives has unique meaning. Let's break it down. Come on, the robe. This was reserved for the guest of honor. The ring, a symbol of authority. The sandals, not usually worn by house servants, therefore symbolizing his full restoration as a son. And they walk in from the field and have the biggest party you have ever seen. And I want to be very real. We're just being real all day today, okay? And I want to address that the church, not necessarily this place, don't get me wrong, okay? Not necessarily this place, but the big C church has often done a really, really bad job 
and we've made it very hard for sons and daughters to come home. And we feel the need to put up these blockades on the road, and when someone comes along, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Oh, you want to you wanna go home? Okay, well, actually, I need you to, um, I need you to change all this. I, need, I, I can't, you can't wear that. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. I get to the next one. And, oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. You want to go home? Oh, okay, that's great. Um, actually, I need you to change up your language a little. And can you actually trim your, your beard? Just a little? Actually, you know what? This isn't working. Can you look more like her? Can you look more like him? And that takes us to verse 25. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother's come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother began, became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, Look, after all these years I've been slaving away for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, notice, he didn't even call him brother. When this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, come home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything that I have is yours. But we, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now listen, I don't, know, I don't know who you connect with in this story today. Maybe, maybe you connect with the prodigal. And you're literally in this season in your life right now, and you're going, I, I've just messed up so much. How did I get here? And you're being bombarded with lie after lie after lie, and you just don't know if you can come home. Or maybe you connect with the older brother, and if we're honest, you're feeling a lot of conviction because you're having a very difficult time understanding how the Father continually pours out abundant love and grace on his children. Or maybe you don't connect with either of them and you're just like, man, when is he going like, to wrap this up? You know, like, I got lunch. First off, it's COVID. You ain't, nothing's open. You ain't going nowhere. Okay, I know that, okay? But you're like, what's the, what's the moral of the story, Micah? And the point being that Actually, there's a ton of things we could take out of this, more than I could ever have time for today with you. But I want to specifically focus on a new outlook on the Father's heart, a deeper understanding of his love for all of his children. Okay, we cannot miss that. That all are welcome home, and also that, that you can come home, but I don't want you to just work the fields. Okay, don't just work the fields. And it's 10 to 20 to 30-year-old Christians, they just serve, they say the right things, they do the right things, they dress the right way, they put the mask on when they're here, okay? And never once have they stepped into this authentic relationship with their father, and that's all that he is desiring. The father's house never runs out of room. And every single child deserves to come home to be embraced by their father and by their brothers and sisters. And you know, the funny thing is that when we finally understand like our position before the throne of God, okay, when the, when, when the Holy Spirit moves, when we're convicted of sin in our life and we're before the cross, like we're all prodigals and it's such a good message. 
We were all prodigals, but now here, here's the real problem is that sometimes prodigals come home. And the father's arms are open wide. I'm so good to see you. Come in, come in. And the prodigal steps in and there's a big party. And there's all this talk about love and grace and forgiveness. And, but the prodigal the whole time is thinking like, okay, I'm here. I'm here physically. But if I can be honest, I'm having a really hard time believing that you actually love me and that there's actual forgiveness with no strings attached. And so I'm here physically, and I will serve you. I will love you. I will do everything I can to love and honor you. But mentally, I am still in the pig pen because I just can't get over everything that I've done. And there's no way. I've never known a love like this. I've never known forgiveness like this. I'm just having a really hard time believing this. And if you're in that place today, I just want to tear down every wall that's built up around that and just declare over you that that is not the life that you are called to in Jesus' name. That when we say yes to Jesus, it is gone. But you get to decide if you're going to step out of the pig pen and go home or not. It's your choice. I want to close with a story today. And uh, it's by Brennan Manning, and it's from his book, the furious longing of God, okay? And, and Brennan begins with this. Back in the 1960s, I was teaching at a university in Ohio. And there was a student on campus who, by society's standards, would have been called ugly. He was short, extremely obese, and had a terrible case of acne. A bad lisp, and his, his hair was growing like Lancelot's horse in four directions all at one time. And he wore the uniform of the day, a T-shirt that hadn't been washed since the Spanish-American War, jeans with a butterfly on the back, and, of course, no shoes. In all my days, I've never met anyone with such low self-esteem. He told me that when he looked in the mirror each morning, he'd spit at it. Of course, no campus girl would date him. No fraternity wanted him as a pledge. And he walked into my office one day and said, his lisp evident, Ah, you're a new face on campus. Well, my name is Larry Mullaney, and I'm an agnostic. I said, you're, you're what? He, he repeated himself, and, and I said, well, congratulations. If you ever become an atheist, I'll take you to dinner, and we'll celebrate your conversion. But the story I'm about to tell you is what Larry got for Christmas one year. Christmas came along for Larry Mullaney, and he found himself back with his parents in Providence, Rhode Island. Larry's father is a typical lace curtain Irishman. Now there are lace curtain Irish and there are shanty Irish. And a lace curtain Irishman, even on the hottest day in summer, will not come to the dining room table without wearing a suit, usually a dark pinstripe, starched white shirt, and a tie swollen at the top. He will never allow his sideburns to grow to the top of his ears, and he always speaks in a low, subdued voice. Well, Larry comes to the dinner table that first night smelling like a billy goat. He and his father have the usual number of quarrels and reconciliations and thus begins a, a typical vacation in the Mullaney household. Now, several nights later, Larry tells his father that he's got to get back to school the next day. What time, son? Six o'clock. Well, we're at, we're at the bus together. The next morning, the father and son ride the bus in silence. They get off the bus as Larry has to catch a second one to get to the airport. And directly across the street are six men standing under an awning, all men who work in the same textile factory as Larry's father. And they begin making loud and degrading remarks like, 
oink, oink, look at that fat pig. I tell you, if that pig were my kid, I'd hide him in the basement, I'd be so embarrassed. Another said, I wouldn't. If that slob were my kid, he'd be out the door so fast, he wouldn't know if he was on horse or foot. Hey, piggy, give us your best oink, and these brutal salvos continued. And Larry told me in that moment, for the first time in his life, his father reached out and embraced him, kissed him on the lips and said, Larry, if your mother and I live to be 200 years old, that wouldn't be long enough to thank God for the gift he gave us in you. I am so proud that you're my son. Now, Brennan goes on to write about Larry Mullaney's change after that Christmas break, that he comes back to campus and he cleans up as best he can. And he even begins dating a a young lady from the university. And he actually becomes a president of one of the fraternities. And in June 14th of 1974, Larry becomes an ordained priest. And over the last 20 years has been a missionary to South Africa, solely, wholly sold out to Jesus. That church, like, Did you get it? What happened? What happened? One day on a Christmas break, Larry Mullaney's father reached out, embraced him, and told him everything about himself that the world was saying the exact opposite about. And with one touch, with one embrace, pain lies gone in Jesus' name. And that's the kind of father we have. That's the kind of power he has. Just one touch. Just one embrace. Listen, our God is a redeemer. He's a restorer. And our God has a furious love and longing for you. Father God, I just just thank you today. And I ask that these words, God, would not go unheard, Father, that they would strike the heart, God, that we would feel conviction and not run from it, but run to it as you continue to change us from the inside out, as you restore and renew marriages, as you restore and renew homes, Father, that we say yes to everything that you're holding for us, and we let go only to receive again from you. Father, I ask that prodigals come home. I ask that prodigals come home and that brothers and sisters are standing on the side of their own going, you're almost there. Keep going. And I ask that you would convict our hearts, Father, where we're wrong and make us more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, guys, I know know it's heavy and I know like it's a lot, but I just really love Jesus and I really love what he's about. Because he is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. And that's what he desires for all of his children, not just some. So if that's you today, if you just need to take a step home, and you're like, I just got to figure this out. Like, I'm going to be down front. I would love to talk with you. If you're watching online, shoot us a message on social. Send us a message at notestamani at ncclex.org. We would love to talk with you, okay? Don't take another day without taking that step home. And now listen, if nothing else, know that you are loved. And you guys be blessed, and we'll see you guys next week.